Nia J in the house, like always. <laughs> Today we have a jam-packed episode with some wonderful, insightful information. But before we begin, I do want to give a huge shout out to our sponsor, Social Media Blast Off. If you're out here trying to maximize your social media accounts, um, get the most potential that you possibly can, whether you're an artist, singer, songwriter, um, entrepreneur, you name it. Social Media Blast Off has you covered. So go ahead and scan the QR code right here. Save 40% off socialmediablastoff.net. So today we have the beautiful Ryan Killip in the building. Let's give her a applause. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful. How are you doing today? I'm fine. How are you? Fantastic, my dear. So, Ryan, get right into everything. So, tell us a little bit about you. Let the viewers know what you do. Awesome. Um, so my name is Ryan Killebrew. I'm the founder and principal consultant of Killebrew Consulting LLC, which is a financial coaching and consulting firm based here in Philadelphia. Um, we service individuals, couples, as well as small business and solopreneurs, um, as also nonprofit organizations as well. Um, and we provide uh, the education that transforms poverty into wealth. So really what that is, is um, financial coaching and literacy services, um, as well as business services. So that is literally from basic foundational registration all the way through to bookkeeping and um, projections, as well as other financial consulting um, services. Okay, something that the people definitely need. So um, how did you gain your knowledge in financial literacy? Was it something that was taught to you as a child? Did you learn it in school? Did you mentor? What was your journey to get to where you um, are? So honestly, great question. Um, it I'm from Camden, New Jersey. It was something that is not taught at all in schools. And unfortunately, even um, within the universities that I went to, I matriculated to a few colleges. And it wasn't until the last one where I got my degree from uh, Lancaster Bible College that they actually offered uh, financial um, literacy courses as well as like just personal financial management classes. Um, but honestly, I learned just hands-on on the job. Um, so I had over now, it's about uh, 14 years in financial services industry, um, mainly in banking. Um, so I learned from others like, oh, you're constantly overdrafting your account. What's going on? Um, and then just seeing people getting declined for credit. Um, and then also, too, I did a very long stint at one bank in particular. And um, at that uh, bank, they offered a lot of financial literacy resources for the employees, but also um, they began to do a lot of community engagement. So we were able as employees to go into the community and teach some of these classes. So that was one of the things I did. I started off in credit, um, you know, just teaching young adults, particularly at um, 
University of Pennsylvania, and then also Drexel University. I did a lot of credit workshops there and then went into the schools and started doing um, financial literacy for the elementary and middle school ages. And then really just kind of blossomed from there. Um, the reason why I started my business, though, was because I then branched into investments. And at the um, bank that I began uh, the um, training at and studying for my licenses, they required minimum at least $250,000 worth of investable assets before I could even have a conversation with the individual. And at the time, that wasn't anyone really in my like sphere of influence. And so, like I said, our motto is to provide the education that transforms poverty into wealth. So a lot of my clients don't even have any investment um, outside of maybe if their job offers a 401k for them. But outside of that, they can't even think of it because they're literally living paycheck to paycheck or really kind of floating under the radar. So I help them with really getting their finances in order. So then that way I'm able to transition them over to um, the investment officer that's able to really build on to their generational wealth that they started with me. Nia, that's a lot of um, different things that she's dove in <laughs> that all like kind of it's really compelling because as like why people notice that there is a very high rate of just like credit is just not attainable for some people um especially the people that are paycheck to paycheck uh, Ryan, what would you suggest um someone can go ahead and start building credit if they're not able to just like set aside something, what would you recommend? So I would say um, finances are not one size fit all, right? So it really stems from um, their current situation, but also to what were they exposed to growing up? So a lot of our habits we learn from our parents, right? Um, so I would say, well, what do your parents, what did your parents do when they were managing their finances? Did they talk to you about managing their finances? Um, I got to look up where my mom, you know, was very upfront with us. Um, I, she used to have me write her checks out. So I knew how to conduct um, managing my finances, but I still didn't really know like budgeting and, and little things there. Um, so I would say first, have them, again, kind of just explore where they are, what are some of the habits that they have, what are certain things that maybe they've learned from others, and then have that translate into developing a plan. Um, you know, some people, they're okay with managing their finances, but they don't really know how to leverage credit um, because your money is simply just a, a resource. It's a tool so that you can attain the things that you want and need. Very simple, right? But how do you leverage that so then that way you're able to save, you're able to invest, you're able to purchase things, and you're not in such a bind when it is time to make that large purchase or an emergency comes up and now you're scrambling or you have to use that credit card because you don't have savings or things like that for emergencies. Um, so that's really where I would start. 
But let's say I'm talking to a college student and they're like, hey, I'm out here. I want to start building credit now so that once I get into my career, I'm able to really kind of hit the ground running financially. Um, I would say see if they could get put on their parents credit card or um, if their parent has a car note, things like that, that they could um really add them on to like again let's say the parent is buying them a car put that car also in their name so that it's not just in the parent's name or get that credit card and make them an authorized signer so then that way they're able to kind of ride on their parents credit if their parents don't have great credit then i would start small like looking at um like a capital one or discover who has a lot of like great credit building cards um, especially their student cards. So they're going to be able to um, get approved, but also too, it's a very small amount. So they can't like completely tear up their credit, right? When they're just starting. So I would say that if it's someone who's older, who's like, hey, I need to recover because I've already messed up my credit. I wouldn't even honestly go with credit first. I would again, look at their habits, but also too, like I need to see a budget or else I don't even want to really have a credit conversation with them because they're going to end up right back in that same predicament with that cycle. Yeah, that's a really good point that you made because a lot of people will say the way to get yourself out of it is to just, you know, open another account and just pay it off. But no, you're right because if they haven't developed the simple sense of saving and budgeting and looking at the expenses and what is going out versus what's coming in, then it's not wise to put them right back onto the credit train until they're ready. Because ultimately, I feel like I will view credit as something negative when we mm-hmm. know it's not. So what do you say to people, someone who's sitting in your chair for the first time and they've had horrible experiences, maybe with interest rate or whatever. So they have a mindset that credit is something. Explain to the viewers and to that client that you have in your chair why someone would have an astronomical uh, interest rate and what it all means to make sure you're paying your bills. Absolutely. So um, again, this goes back to knowledge. So like you said, their perception is just based off of that experience, right? And so I would, um, part of coaching is really like reframing for them. So then that way they're getting a different perspective. So I would start there, but then also too, really digging into if they had a bad experience, well, again, what are you currently doing? Um, was it just a car note? You don't have any credit. Now, let me explain to you why you're more of a risk. So, yes, it is adversely impacting you. So you have a higher interest rate. Um, you know, explaining how credit scores and credit reports work. So then that way they're getting that um, knowledge on top of their experience. So they can match it up and say, okay, well, I, I look more risky. My my um, credit profile is more risky because all I got is student loans. I don't have any revolving credit. Well, what is revolving credit? Let me explain that. You know, what is installments? Let me explain that. Um, you know, the different parts of your credit profile, what makes up your credit score, you know, not just it being your credit history, but your, in your payments to what is the mix of your credit um, you know, how many inquiries are you just out here applying to everybody and getting declined? And now, again, you look more risky because you keep applying 
you have so many hard inquiries where, you know, you don't necessarily need all of that. Once you got declined, the first thing you should have done is pull that credit report, see what's on there, see why you got declined. You always receive an adverse action notice from whatever lender you were trying to get that credit extension from. And so you take that and say, hey, well, they're saying that I had these um, items listed regarding my um, negative report. These are negative items. Okay, so it's saying that I have uh, derogatory marks. Well, what are those? Is it just mispayments or is it, you know, a collections account I didn't know about? So it's like those little habits, um, kind of reframing them on that and training them on how to really um, go through their credit. But then also too, again, explaining like, hey, this is a resource. So absolutely, credit is not bad. It's how you utilize it. Are you, you know, overextending your credit? And so now you're always maxing out your cards. Well, that tells a lender you don't really have it to pay us back. So no, I don't necessarily want to, or you're just more risky. You're going to pay, but it's going to take us longer to get our money back. So that interest rate is now going up. Um, And then, you know, again, other factors that play into it, but um, I always look at habits. So I am an impulse shopper. Very crazy. I know. As someone who works in finance, how are you an impulse shopper, but you work in finance? Absolutely. I still am. I have three little ladies that are always in my pocket. Um, and my husband just says yes. So impulse. I, if I see something, I want it, I'm going to get it. But I know myself. And so I plan for it. That's built into my budget. So it's like those little habits and things that I really try to get um, clients to hone in on. Like, let's be real. Is your budget more restrictive? You're not going to go ahead and move forward with that. Um, And it's going to be hard for you to stick with just like a diet. Right. The more restrictive a diet is, you're not going to stick with it. Um, But if you're very, very realistic and you build things in, like you build in those cheat days, you build in those rewards and those successes then you're going to be more willing to stick with something. So that's really what I focus on. Gotcha. That's, that's really good information just to have. Cause I like, Nia, that was a great question because a lot of people don't understand like interest rates and, you know, they, they, they increase, they decrease and, you know, you have to just get it at the best time. Sometimes it's yeah. waiting, honestly waiting for that interest. Rate Absolutely. Because Absolutely. Because even with right now in the current, you know, economic climate that we're in from post pandemic, interest rates initially were really low. And then the Fed has continuously increased the interest rates. Right. So even if you have great credit, your interest rate can still be high just because of whatever the rates are currently. Um, And then also, too, a lot of people don't realize like you being able to shop around. And even let's say you're, I'll use mortgages for um, one. You can take whatever your one mortgage lender pulled your credit report. You can take that credit report to another lender and say, base it off of this one so that they're not doing multiple inquiries. But a lot of people don't know that. So it's like, 
just kind of building on that knowledge and education and say, okay, what do you already know? What's experience? Um, what has experience taught you? But then adding on top of that and saying, okay, well, this is really what it is. So maybe I have to tear down your previous biases and, and um, take that get a new foundation and then build on that. Or some people have knowledge, but they just don't have the experience. And so now I kind of walk hand in hand with them so that they're getting the best outcome. So it really just depends. That's a lot of information to compact, but I'm sure you being that expert, you know how to deliver it where the person can understand um, within the scope. So that was very you made something that can seem complicated, seem pretty simplistic. So I'm sure that a lot of your, your uh, clients appreciate that. Now, since we're talking about your relationship with clients, how did you get into doing workshops? Um, so because I, um, or I mom, how is the best way to put it? My mom is a retired educator. So I'm used to like classroom settings um, and I'm not necessarily afraid of if it's something that I know, I know I can speak on it and speak on it for days. And so um, it didn't hurt, though, with the workshops at the bank that we were offering. They paid us to do it because it was a community initiative. So it was like, oh, I get to do something fun that I want to do. I get to engage my community. I want to do it. Oh, and I'm getting paid for it. I'm here. I got, let's go for it. So that's really how I kind of got started into doing the workshops initially. Um, and then also too, I didn't have to like be inside the branch and service those clients. I get to like kind of take that break. Um, so I got into them that way. Um, and then really um, like the workshops that I do now stem from that, but they're more uh, designed for um, whatever community I'm trying to service in that moment. So for example, I hosted an event in March of this year for um, Women's History Month. And so I just brought together um, minority women of color and it was, hey, how do you, you know, if you fell off, everyone has a New Year's resolution. If you fell off this year so far, how do you get back on that train so that you can finish strong for the rest of the year? Um, and I had a panel of other women business owners and other um, financial professionals, again, all women sitting down and just having those discussions because it, sometimes it's just exposure. When you're exposed to a new idea, it helps. Um, and then in June, I hosted an event for couples because especially in our social climate, you have like discussions on Instagram all the time and Facebook all the time about oh, should you have a joint account or shouldn't you? Or like, how are you combining your finances? And a lot of times when I'm working with couples, I feel like a marriage counselor because I have to bring two people together for one collective goal. And so it's like, how do you kind of work through that? Um, so now I get a little bit more targeted in my workshops, but, um, you know, definitely with whatever is currently kind of occurring in our um, communities at the time. I kind of hone in on that and then build a program or an event around that one specific thing. 
That's awesome. So you just basically hit all different types of like basically age groups and everything of that nature, which is it's it's fundamental and it, it's important just because you know you have college kids that they don't know a lick about credit. You know they yeah. go for this part and that part, and then student loans as well. I've I've actually heard stories where there are college students applying for student loans and they're just blowing through this money. Like, oh, let me get my nails done. Let me go get a massage. Let me go eat out three times a day. Yes. Saying that because they don't have that knowledge. Exactly. Like like you said, the fact that you're not using it for its intended purpose, because you're really saying like, oh, well, I just need money in my pocket. I'm waiting for my refund check. Um, you know, very similar to some people that leverage their tax returns as, oh, well, I'm getting this refund. Yeah, but you've technically lent this money to the government all year. They're just giving you your money back. You could have used it probably throughout the year. Now, I'm not going to lie and say that there are some clients that I do not change their withholdings at all simply because they need some help saving. And so their refund check comes in handy because it's pretty much forcing them to save all year if you look at it that way. Um, Unfortunately, it's just not in an interest bearing account. But it's forcing them to get in the habit of not seeing that money. So then we're able to kind of build on top of that. But, you know, others is, no, hey, you have this refund. Let's adjust. Is it something that you absolutely need? Or are you, again, just using it because you just want to blow through some money? Mm-hmm. It's the two components, like what is the sole purpose? So you, just going back a little bit, let me get clarification. You do not advise putting um, the refund check into a variable um, interest? No, uh, I do. So it's just that throughout the year, you could have used that money, like especially if I have a client that is trying to get out of debt, right? Mm -hmm. That money throughout the year could have been used to especially a lot of the high interest debt right now, you would be saving because you're paying that all faster because you have that money coming in as opposed to this big lump sum at the end of the year. Well, you've had interest accrue all year where, um, you know, again, or I, if I have someone who is in um, or starting to start investing or again, just saving and they're kind of good with their budget there's no reason why you don't have your withholding set up correctly so that, again, you're able to actually earn interest on that money as opposed to having to wait until it's tax season to file and receive your money back because you're not getting it with interest. So you're losing out both ways um, because interest is impacting you. Either you're missing the interest on your savings and you're investing or you're missing the money um, on the interest because now you're having to pay more on that debt. So it's just, again, how do I need to frame it for the client? Um, so then that way it they're making that connection so that they can start making better financial decisions. And I guess customization is the word we're looking for. Like you really have to customize it per client because everybody's situation or case is going to be different from the next. Absolutely. So. Yep. Absolutely. Yes. Is I say all the time, finances are not one size fit all. I can't cookie cutter, even like grouping, you know, um, 
college students together or young adults, like young professionals together can't do that. Even entrepreneurs. I work with so many that are like mom and pop just starting out or that solopreneur that's like, hey, I'm putting everything into it. And it's like, oh, maybe you shouldn't quit your job yet because you have these other responsibilities and you need income so that you can invest in your company. Or you have, you know, again, like in my situation, I am an entrepreneur. I own my business, um, but I'm married and I have three kids. And so entrepreneurship, as we know, is feast and famine. There's times where like, hey, my season is a little slow right now. Yes, you're making adjustments and you still need to reinvest in the business, but I still have kids and, and a husband. And so thankfully, you know, he has a nine to five that takes care of the household. So any money that I come in, again, I think that that also contributes to the fact that I am an impulsive shopper because my money is just the icing on the cake. But yeah, you know, those are things that you have to consider. Um, and then even come tax time, uh, you know, again, like how I structure my business, I have my business structure as an LLC in a specific way because it's just me and I have contractors that, I, that work for me. Um, but again, you know, how does that play into us being married, filing jointly and my husband's W-2 income um, versus that person that is just them as a solopreneur? They don't have other responsibilities. So maybe they need a different business structure so that come tax time, things make more sense. So like you said, it is absolutely customized. It is absolutely not one size fit all. So so, like, I know you're talking about couples that are in business together, but have you had, like, actual two, let's say, two male people that um, are in on a business together? Like, they're business partners, and one of them has, like, a horrible sense of spending. And how do you, I guess, in order to come to the clear vision of their business, what's the conversation like? Are you separating them and having different one-on-one sessions? Um, what does that conversation look like? So I don't, I really try not to um, separate partners, nor uh, married couples or whether they're married or not, any couple, whether they are W-2 um, and they're just together. So W-2 is just the, the standard nine to five, right? So if there are W-2 employees and, you know, they're trying to build a life together, um, versus that the business partners, if I'm doing the business consulting side, I do not like having individual sessions unless there's somebody that is specifically designated in the business that's like, hey, you know, I mainly I handle operations, then I work with them individually. But I still have, you know, even if it's just like every other month or once a quarter, I try to still have uh an overall like joint session with everyone involved because a that other person still needs to know what's happening in the business. Um, but two, it helps with communication, especially in conflict. So you know the number one um, you know reason for divorce most times is finances. Um, so again, and that's divorce in a partnership for business or divorce in actual marriage. And honestly, if they just had very real conversations, um, it would help. 
So that's why I, I was saying, like, I feel like a marriage counselor because I'm trying to um, encourage those conversations to happen. And so sometimes I do say like, oh, well, you know, hey, let's like I'll give homework. Hey, I need you guys to have this conversation offline. Give me three goals for the next 12 months. What does that look like for you guys collectively? And then I, I want you to think about, well, what does it take to kind of get there? So then that way, individually, they're having to discuss what it looks like for their perspective um, on both sides. And then also, too, they're able to pinpoint and really drill down on the collective goal. Same thing for business and business partners. If you're not having honestly, every year, a meeting about growth, where's your business going, right? Like you have to have some type of forethought. And so again, it's, hey, let's have this conversation. Now, if there is like, I, I call them like my my trouble child, oh, you're, you're overspending or you're doing whatever. Sometimes having that other person on the call helps because they're able to say, well, this is how this is impacting me, how it's impacting our business, how it's impacting those things. And if you did this, it will help me in this way, right? So whether it's like you're overspending and now we're having to transition to paycheck to paycheck where we should be operating in surplus for our budget, what's going on, right? So I kind of get to help cultivate those conversations and give them a safe space to do it in um, and kind of mediate and then helping them compromise. Because again, you have to figure out, well, why is this person um, so impulsive in their spending? Um, are they even just aware of how they're spending, right? Do we need to set up a separate account strictly for them to spend with? So then that way they're not impacting the rest of the finances. So it's just like, hey, let's figure out the root cause and then move forward with um, the solution. But a lot of times people want to just band-aid and say, oh, well, you're just overspending. There's a reason why they are. Either A, they're just not aware or B, it's just a, a habit that they need to break, but they need help breaking it. So you need to find a solution that works. And if it's just awareness, OK, well, simply having them in on those conversations will help with that awareness. But yeah, I don't I don't separate them. I try to put everyone all together so in that way we're all on the same page. That makes me sense. Might as well air out all the dirty laundry now. Like yes. what is using the business account for for real. <laughs> mm -hmm. And I honestly tell people too, whether it's um because I do a lot of business registrations, um, and so I'm with them in those very initial stages. I won't file the business documents until we've had certain conversations around what the business goals are, how will it be um, structured operationally, who's doing what, who's responsible for what, how are things going to really flow within the business? Because if they don't have it, just like a marriage, right, they should be going through some type of like premarital counseling. And I do couples that are starting to come together. They're not married yet, but they're like ready to take the next step because you have to figure those things out. And just like you need to have those conversations about where do we want to live? How are we going to manage the finances? Are our kids going to public or private school? Because that's a financial decision that we need to make, right? 
all of those things impact the finances. Um, you know, even down to like the generations behind, oh, you know, I have elderly parents. Are they going to have to live with us at some point? Or are we putting them in a nursing home? Those conversations are very real. Same thing for business partners. If something happens to me, you know, how will this business continue to move forward? Or again, just like, are we on the same page coming together for this business so that we can ensure that it's moving forward and we're not going to be that percentage that burns out within the first three years. So. Gotcha. You were mentioning loans or W-2s and just you were talking about, you know, you basically are loaning the government that money and you get it back. So mm-hmm. I just have a lot of hard questions. So we went through the pandemic and here comes the PPP loans that everybody and their mama was getting. So what is that conversation like? Someone got a PPP loan, for instance. They didn't need the PPP loan. They went through all that money and now they owe it back. What does that conversation look like? So that conversation, A, gets really real because what did you use it on, right? Is You blew through it. The whole point was, A, to kind of sustain you through because businesses were impacted. And so you needed to be able to you know, make payroll and do different things because you were still required to do those things, right? And so it was supposed to keep you afloat. So A, I would say, is this business even still active or not? B, where did the money go? Like, with, I, there should be some type of ROI, return on investment from this loan. So what, what happened? And then lastly, um, there should have always been a plan on payback. Even if you you got part of it, um, uh, what is that? Um, not forgiven, but it was it was pretty much forgiven, right? Some people got a portion of it forgiven, and so that's impacting you. Um, and then a lot of people were like, "Oh, well, is my payments are deferred, and they keep deferring them." Yeah, but deferred doesn't mean that it's not accruing interest. So like, what are you doing? Very similar to student loans, right? That conversation, those conversations will probably parallel because I would say, well, what did you invest in? What did you use the money for? Um, But then again, what was your plan on payback? Um, You know, student loans, you got those six months, especially anyone that is, you know, a recent graduate, you have six months. Or, you know, you have some people who haven't even finished school but they have student loan debt. And they, the minute that you unenroll six months later, your month, your um, loans are out of deferment. So again, what does that look like for you? And then you have to really kind of just build from there. Um, but yeah, some people were like, they traded, tried to treat them like student loans, like, oh, it'll be all right. Like, you know, well, it'll be forgiven. No. The SBA and whoever lender you went through is definitely looking for that money back. So I immediately, if they don't have any of those solid plans in place, we need to develop one right away so that we can figure out how to get the um, repayment plan put in place. Um, Then also, too, this is, again, I don't necessarily like doing it because there was a reason why you got into trouble with debt in the first place. But some people 
it's like, okay, well, maybe you need to consolidate your loans, right? Like you have business credit, you have business lines. So you have business credit cards, business lines of credit, and this installment loan. Maybe we just need to leverage your your credit because you're doing okay. It's just money kind of is still a little tight. Um, and so I would say, okay, well, maybe we need to consolidate this all into just one business loan. So now let's go ahead, leverage, get it all in one loan payment, and you can pay that down, pay it off, and then it's done um, and kind of go from there. So it really just depends on their responses. But those people who are like, oh, yeah, it was going to be forgiven or like um, a, one of my favorite responses that I keep hearing right now, uh, especially when it comes to student loans is, oh, well, Jesus paid it all. Like that debt is above me now. Like I'm not. And I'm like, OK, you say that right now, but please understand that federal debt goes to your estate. So even when you pass, they're still looking at your estate for that money back. Like, so you thought you were building generational wealth. Nah, it's getting eaten up because you defaulted on this loan. Um, and, you know, those are those things where, again, I need to dig into the mindset of that person and then try to coach them from there. Sure. Because there's so many different ways you can approach, you know, the topic of, okay, why did I need this loan in the first place? Um, like you're mentioning, a lot of people really didn't even know how to handle money or anything before they got that loan. So they're, now they're in a larger hole. But also, I think the biggest difference between probably the conversation with the people with the student loans versus this is because you can actually start prison time. <laughs> you know, so that's like a yeah. huge, huge thing, I think. Um I mean, it's really, it's really insane, though, that we give people the option at their fingertips to have power to do things and get loans on their own without them having the full scope of, you know. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. And this is where, like, education comes in, um, because, like you said, student loans are different with this. Um, and it's more so the misappropriation side of it. Like, you you got the loan, but hey, again, that's why I initially say, is this business even still operating today? Like what's going on? But then also too, I would look at, um, like you said, why did you get it? Uh, same thing with student loans. Why did you choose to get this loan? Did you even need this amount? Like some people got more, way more than what they needed. Okay, so again, what are you utilizing it for? Um, and so outside of the misappropriation side of it, you still have to pay this back. And some people think that, again, just because you dissolve the business, then you're no longer responsible. No, you are because you had to be a personal guarantor on that loan. So they're either going to come after your business or they're coming after you personally. But either way, they're still doing it. Um, and again, it's that, uh, unfortunately, it's just that education side because, you know, so many people are like, oh, it's free money. And it is not free money. So, right. Even a lot of celebrities got caught up in that PPP loan. Uh, I call it a scandal. You know, I think COVID brought upon so many unwarranted scandals, including, you know, what people did. And of course, a lot of the time it was useful. It was needed. It was um, yeah. legit. But a lot of time it wasn't. 
So people thought it was just like a free for all, but government, they're not playing about their money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, you ain't get caught up. It's fine. And next time COVID comes back around and we shut down, I'm going to apply for it. And it's like, nope, there's a whole task force. They done already said they they had it extended regarding like the um, time limit regarding prosecution. So, no, they maybe didn't get you in 2023, but they had 10 years now, 10 years to still come after you. And it's a federal offense. That's federal time. That's not. Oh, the state is federal. So, yeah, finances are not. Y'all hear that? The statute of limitation for these federal loan cases, they got 10 years to get your behind, okay? <laughs> yep, they increased it. <laughs> they made sure FBI has a, a whole tax force now for it. And so it's, you know, absolutely one of those things where you just look at people like, you just got to get it together. Exactly. And, you know, it's like everybody thinks like, oh, I can get away with this. Like you're saying, you got they got time. They've had time to perfect this. They still have time to, you know, tweak things and get you right before that two-year period, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So much information. It's just like overload. But, man, I'm, I'm so sure that our viewers are just appreciating and soaking in. I hope they're soaking in this knowledge. I know somebody is. Because you're really schooling us and you're making us look at finances from a different a different lens, different different ways of, of looking at it. So for that, we definitely appreciate you. Now, where can people find you on social media? How can they sign up for workshops or to become a client of yours? Absolutely. So on Facebook and Instagram, it is Killabrew Consulting and it's K-I-L-L-E-B-R-E-W Consulting. Um, on both platforms. Uh, also, the website, I kept it very simple, y'all, killerrootconsulting.com. Um, you can reach out through there. Um, there's a contact form. The link is also in the bio as well um, to go straight to the website to schedule a call. Um, that honestly is the, the easiest way to get in contact. Um, also on the website and social media platforms, any events that we're going to be hosting, we do um, post and share. So I would say, uh, you know, if you're interested in any of the upcoming events, definitely reach out and contact us and just follow so that you'll be a little bit more up to date. Also, we are getting ready to roll out a um a recent interview series that we did regarding finances. So you'll be able to catch that on YouTube shortly. Um, So just kind of finishing up the editing on those. Um, So again, uh, you know, I definitely encourage people to reach out um, and try to stay connected. Amen, girl. You said (laughs) it. You said it. (laughs) In closing, we are so appreciative of you just breaking it down and simplifying things for people. It is a lot of like technicalities in the language that everybody gets. So thank you once again for that. And of course, for our viewers, don't forget to like, subscribe, hit that bell notification so you can keep up with our weekly episodes. Mm-hmm. And in closing, I have my beautiful, beautiful best friend, Nia J. And I'm Pamela. And thank you all for watching. Done secret. Thank <laughs> you.